Welcome to Calibrate Conversations, a podcast about embracing God's standard for sexuality. I'm your host, Brady Cohn, and joining me today, back once again, is Dr. Tim Stratton. So Tim, you came on the podcast about a year ago. We talked about manliness, because I would say you're the most manly guy I know, uh, but you're, which part of that is you're one of the most loving uh, and gentle and kind men that I know, and I appreciate you so much. You are the founder of Free Thinking Ministries. You're an expert on free will and you have a brilliant mind when it comes to apologetics and so we're going to dig into some of those issues today and relay them back to lgbtq issues and so why don't you just tell us a little bit about your ministry and how you got to this spot oh man how i got here was crazy uh i guess i'll start with that i was a youth pastor uh for for many years and i had a passion for the gospel um and and the bible i wanted kids to know Jesus. So I was in, in youth ministry. And uh, um, as you know, we were uh, both in the same town. I was I was a youth pastor in Kearney, Nebraska, and you were living here at the time. So it's really weird how how uh, these uh, different avenues of ministry uh, <laughs> intertwined here. But, but at that time, back in, it was 2008, and I didn't know anything about apologetics or philosophy or systematic or analytic theology, all the stuff that I do now. Um, I just love Jesus and wanted others to know him. But as a youth pastor, I started seeing this wave of atheism moving through the high school group and the college group that uh, that I was in charge of and working with. And uh, I didn't know how to answer their tough questions or their objections. You know, they were bringing me objections from Sam Harrison, Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens and, uh, you know, uh, Stephen Hawking, you know, who I, just all these different guys, and I didn't know how to interact with any of them. And it kind of rocked my faith a little bit, too, because I was like, wow, I mean, if Christianity is true, there should be answers to these questions. And so I went on a journey to see if there was answers to these good questions. And it blew my mind. After a while, I started realizing, wow, there are people who are interacting with these tough questions and these tough objections, not just interacting with them, but as Paul would say in Second uh, Corinthians ten five, they're destroying every argument raised against the knowledge of God, and and so I wanted to learn more. So I devoted my life to the study of not just knowing what we should believe as Christians, but why we believe it. Um, and so that's a lot of philosophy, a lot of logic, um, and 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 making sure that all of our beliefs are coherent. That's called the the coherence of Christian theism. And, uh, and really working through all of this stuff, and it's just transformed my mind. You know, Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Romans 12, too. When that's happened to me, uh, I real, I, I've come to the strong realization that, uh, that Christianity is true, <laughs> that God exists and that he raised Jesus from the dead and that we can trust the Bible uh, and, and that it, it it changes lives. It's changed my life. I was I a Christian before I had all the answers. Yes. But now my faith is just so strong because I, I don't just take it on blind faith. I take it on reasonable faith, um, which is the name of uh, Dr. William Lane Craig's ministry. So I eventually got out of youth ministry, uh, working in a church. And I now uh, founded an organization called free thinking ministries 
got my hoodie on right there. That's our, our logo. Oh, very good. <laughs> Way to represent. Yeah. So that's Free Thinking Ministries. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, you know, please. And that's, that'll be in the link. Uh, we'll link that in the in the show notes here. Cool. cool. I also have a, have a website called freethinkingministries.com or freethinkinc. That's freethinkinc.org. And uh, so I write blog articles, make videos like you do. Um, then I actually contribute to the literature and, you know, the academic literature, uh, I've written, se uh, several, um, journal articles, one recently co-authored with Dr. JP Moreland, who's recognized as one of the top philosophers in the world today. And that's on the free thinking argument that we're going to discuss today. I wrote a book, uh, published it in 2020 called, uh, human freedom, divine knowledge and mere Molinism. And that talks about how, um, you know, how God is sovereign and how we have this real strong, robust free will, what I call libertarian free will, and how both those things can be true at once. And that's uh, through something called Molinism. And then finally, I uh, just wrote a, uh, or took part in writing a book. I, I contributed a chapter to this book called Faith Examined, New Arguments for Persistent Questions. And these are essays in honor of Dr. Frank Turek. So people can find my work on Amazon there if they'd like to check out any of these books. But I think, Brady, you and I need to write a book together uh, one of these days. Yes, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I I agree. Uh, so I've always loved your ministry, and we've always said that uh, we need each other because uh, sexuality and apologetics go so well together. And yeah. you, you were on this journey of like you needed to be able to answer hard questions um, for your kids, and that's what led you to apologetics. And as part of my journey and my story, you know, I, I've shared this in my testimony hundreds of times where I came to a place where I... I was struggling with same-sex attraction, sexuality issues. And I said, how could a loving God create me in a way that's going to condemn me to hell? Mm. And, uh, and so that's what I was wrestling with. And I, I, and I, now I see that question everywhere. And so my response to that was, well, or my conclusion was, I guess we don't have a loving God and God definitely is, if there's a God, then you know he's not loving maybe there's no god at all because yeah. a loving god couldn't wouldn't create me in a way that's going to condemn me to hell and i see that thread running so strongly in the lgbtq community um or their allies people who have deconstructed of like well we love our lgbtq friends and you know in the last 20 years there's been kind of this kind of new calvinism wave of of sovereignty and it's like well god has determined everything so it's like yeah. well god that determined that i'm dealing with this and this is who i am and i guess he can't love me i guess i'm not part of the elect and i don't want to be too hard on my calvinist friends today uh but you know um uh i, I i'm thankful that the gospel got a hold of my life and god gave me the means and allowed me to make choices that i can live a different life yeah uh that regardless of the source of my attractions um you know in the debate like oh you no know, some people are convinced well people are people who are gay are just born gay it's like well that's kind of irrelevant uh to the fact that god allows us to um live a different life we have the holy spirit we have the gospel he gives us a mind he gives us freedom and so i'd like you to dig into uh some of that freedom that god gives us 
Uh, so let's just l- just give it to us like it is. Let, let's hear it. Uh, <laughs> what is the freedom that God gives us? How does that work from a philosophical, um, theological standpoint? And, you know, I think that uh, one thing I, I've been encouraged by lately as I've dug into a lot more of soteriology issues is that I always thought that my two choices were Calvinism or Arminianism. Mm-hmm. And so, like, those were the only two options. And maybe I could be get by with being only a four point Calvinist if I didn't want to go all the way. Uh, and so um, I, I, I'm really in, excited to hear that there's some other options and some better uh, nuances to that conversation. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that is uh, the term Molinism that I uh, brought up earlier. <laughs> and again, I just uh, would point people to to this book. I'm currently working on a second edition of it, um, trying to tighten up a couple things, adding more content to it. Um, but I still stand behind all the big ideas behind this first edition. Second edition will be out maybe in a couple years. So uh, in the meantime, get this book. And it's also got a study guide which I co-authored with Timothy Fox. And this uh, helps you get through this book, clears up a few things that maybe I wasn't as clear upon in this book, and also goes deeper into some of these situations. So those are on Amazon. If people want to find this other, another way of looking at God's sovereignty, and it shows how God can actually predestine all things without determining all things. And so mm-hmm. predestination is a biblical term, but determining is not. We don't see where God determines his elect followers to have false theological beliefs. Uh, We don't see um, how God determines Christians to fall into sin. In fact, we see the opposite. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, uh, Paul makes it clear that every time a Christian is tempted to sin, God will provide a way of escape so that we don't have to. Um, So, so, you know, I know a lot of folks who, uh, you know, struggle with the LGBTQ things um, uh, and, and issues and temptations. I feel like, well, God has made me this way, so therefore I've got to act on it. That's just who I am. And no, no, Paul is clear uh, that that God gives you a way of escape so that you don't have to. Now, is that way of escape always easy to take? Of course not. It's very hard sometimes to take your greatest desires captive. You know, there's a lot of folks, even Christians, who say, you only act based on your greatest desires. Well, then a gay person who feels this is their greatest desire, then they feel like, well, I've got to act on it. And, you know, scripture is clear. No, no, you are supernatural. You're created in the image and likeness of a supernatural God who is not determined by other things. And so it it follows that you are not determined by other things. You are highly influenced by your flesh. Yes, your flesh is, my flesh screams at me to sin. I want to sin. I mean, hey, look, look, well, I don't have to get into all the details. Uh, You know, there's nothing that makes uh, people in the LGBTQ community special. We are all, we all are tempted to sin. Our flesh all wants to sin. Um, But we have learned, I know, Brady, you're a, you've said this before, you're not supposed to exist because you are a, are a prime example of what folks, a lot of folks on the left, and even a lot of Christians will say, that you can't do other than your greatest desires. You, uh, you, you are taking your greatest desires captive. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10.5 that we take our thoughts captive to obey Christ. Well, I think that also includes our, our emotions 
our attractions, our desires. And I don't know anybody who's done a better job at this, Brady, than you have. You have taken your, mm-hmm. your thoughts, your desires, your attractions captive, and you have said no to them. And you've made a hard choice. Not that, I mean, and, and nobody's perfect, but you do this over and over and over, and you start to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that Paul says in Romans 12 too. And Brady, I remember having these discussions with you years ago, and you've adopted these. And and like I said, you you are the best example of this, uh, of anybody that I know personally. Um, I've seen, you know, and well, there's also scientific evidence too. It's not just what Scripture says. There's science that supports Scripture. You know, uh, I would say that a guy named uh, Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz who was a uh, uh, psychologist at, at UCLA, he finally uh, discovered the science that, and, and, and brought the scientific data that supports what Paul was saying 2,000 years later. And he shows that we are not determined by our brains um, and by our physical chemical makeup. Uh, those things are heavy influences on us, heavy influences. Sometimes they feel deterministic. But there is something about you that can take your thoughts captive and say, no, I'm not going to think that way today. And when you do that, even once, your brain uh, starts to carve out a new neural pathway. And it's just like going to the gym. If you go to the gym once and do some bicep curls and say, well, that's it, are you going to be transformed by the renewing of your body? (laughs) No, you won't. But if you make it a habit, even if you're not perfect at it, let's say, okay, I'm going to go to the gym five times a week. And let's say, oh man, it's really hard to do. So you only do it three times a week. Are you still going to get transformed? Yeah. Maybe slower than you would if you went five days a week. But we're not saying you have to be perfect. Start taking thoughts captive. Start taking emotions captive. Start taking attractions captive to obey Christ, the law of Christ, everything that he has said, everything that he has taught, everything that Jesus has exemplified, everything that his apostles who he handpicked to continue his teachings uh, taught, take your thoughts captive and your desires captive to obey Christ. And over time, these neural pathways in your brain will be will begin to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And these other ways that you were thinking when you were kind of on autopilot begin to go away. And pretty soon, when, the, when your brain is transformed by the way you chose to think, so that shows that you're not your brain. You are something that can control your brain to some extent and reshape it and reprogram it, as it were. And eventually, once you're changed enough, your autopilot uh, starts to, your, your nature, as it were, um, is, uh, almost starts to follow Christ on its own. But you've got to make the hard choices, and that requires libertarian free will. You can make a choice to do other than your brain is telling you, at least some of the time. And that will that you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I've got a whole argument behind this called the free thinking argument. But I just want to start by saying, hey, look, Scripture teaches this and science backs it up. What do you think? 
At Calibrate Ministries, we have an entire ministry just for parents of LGBTQ kids because we want to be able to shepherd your hearts and encourage you and pray for you and your family as you navigate these situations. So just go to CalibrateMinistries.com and fill out the contact form, and I'd love to be in touch with you about how you can be involved in that ministry. You know, uh, what, as you were talking about that, one thing I was thinking is so many times, well, your whole process laid out there, that's, that's a process of discipleship. Uh, Mm -hmm. that's the process of becoming more like Christ with a renewing of our mind. And we need what, you know, scripture commands us to do of confession, repentance, brothers and sisters walking alongside us to be fed spiritually. And so many times I, minister to people who expect the results of discipleship without the process of discipleship. It's like, well, mm. I've you know, been uh, dealing with, they'll say, well, I've been dealing with same-sex attraction for 10 years, and I've prayed and prayed and prayed that God would just take it away. He never has. So I guess this is the way I am. Yeah. It's like, but you completely ignored the confession. You c- ignored the living in community. You ignored the bearing one another's burdens. You didn't do the uh, being fed spiritually regularly. You didn't develop disciplines yeah. for a renewing of your mind. And so now 10 years into it, your mind is at a same place uh, because you just had, I mean, it's great to pray, uh, but that's not the only uh, part of discipleship and right. renewing of our mind. And so then it's like, well, you can't expect to, um, uh, you know, uh, have a renewing of your mind and a different heart now when you've only done one part of the process. And and sometimes in the process, we try and we fail and and then we just give up. You know, um, you, you related back to uh, working out and there's a time when I joined, you know, your CrossFit gym. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I remember. And, we, uh, yeah, I remember and, working out together. Yeah. Well, yeah. and so you remember what happened with that? Uh, um, you know, I was I was going for about six months. It was the first time that I had had any regular workout in my yeah. life. And yeah. then the one it was Fourth of July weekend. I was the only person there and our coach was pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. And afterwards, I I laid on the ground for like half an hour. And two days later, I was in the hospital. I had rhabdo and spent oh, five yeah. days in the hospital. Yeah, do remember you remember that. that? Yeah, I do. So it was like. Uh, so it's like, well, I learned my lesson there. I've, I've never worked out again in my life, so I'm not <laughs> going to make that mistake again. And so, uh, man, you should at least go to planet fitness or something. <laughs> I know. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I have a bicycle at home now. So, okay, good. Uh, but it's like, we, we do that so many times where it's like the renewing of our mind is a process and we try and we fail and we get up and we keep doing it again. And, you know, in that case with my physical fitness is like, oh no, like I screwed up. I'm not doing that again. Uh, and I, I see people do that with, um, uh, their, their spiritual walk with God and, I, I love the part of your story, which you haven't shared yet on, you know, you were like about to drop out of high school uh, and, you know, you were, you were not an academic person. Yeah, and so right. why don't you share a little bit about that, about how God renewed your mind in that right. area and equipped you to do this? Yeah. You know, I always grew up um, being known as the, as the stupid kid. You know, I was the, I was the kid that was, you know, if he, if he didn't get an F in the class, that was a miracle, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I graduated, you know, I was 
well, in high school, you know, I was playing on the basketball team and stuff, and I was always being threatened, like, Tim, you got to get your grades up or you're not going to be able to play this weekend. And, you know, I finally got through high school, took the ACT twice, um, got a 14 the first time, 17 the second time. I'm like, you know, and I was just filling in circles. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, that's good. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, by the well, I, I went to college and I'm like, all right, look, I'm going to go to make my parents happy. I'm sure I'll fail out in the first semester. Um, and but I can at least say, say I gave it the college try. And, uh, you know, what's funny is uh, at the end of the my first semester, um, I, I realized that, uh, well, people started to realize, well, wow, um, Tim, Tim is a gifted student. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, because every time I, I got a C or a D, uh, that was a gift. Um, and (laughs) it was, uh, (laughs) but somehow I got C's and a couple D's and I'm like, well, I I guess I'll do a second semester. And and I went on and, um, I took a couple classes that I, I thought were enjoyable. You know, it wasn't, you you know, it was more than just, uh, studying math. And so I'm like, all right, this is fun. And I passed that semester and I'm like, I'll do another year. Well, then during my sophomore year, I really started to, take my faith much more seriously. I was a Christian beforehand, but I wasn't living it. You know, I wasn't hardcore. I was living like everybody else. And I started being uh, challenged by fellow Christians on campus and others that I was working with, who I was working with to live consistently with what I said that I thought was true. And uh, eventually, um, you know, I started to really dedicate my life to Christ and my grades started going up a little bit uh, from there. Now, I got through, I graduated with a PE degree. <laughs> um, I was going to be a <laughs> PE teacher. I, you know, it was pretty easy to get through. Uh, you'd be the <laughs> funniest PE teacher ever. <laughs> I, you know, I really do. I mean, that's even why today I continue to stay active. And, you know, I always have physical fitness in mind and stuff like that. 50 years old and working out every day still. So, But Planet Fitness, I stopped doing CrossFit too because, I, you know, it started hurting my knees. So, yeah, I'm, keep moving. That's what I got to say. But, yeah. Um, but anyway, I got into youth ministry right after I graduated uh, with the PE degree because I thought youth ministry would be even easier. And I wouldn't have to think that much. You know, I'd just read people the Bible, play games with them, and I'd be a good youth pastor. Well, when students started bringing these objections against God's existence and the objections against Christianity, um, you know, and these objections are coming from PhD philosophers and PhD physicists. You know, uh, I realized, okay, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And, and I felt this inside of me, like I have to fight for these students. I felt like these, the wolves of atheism were coming after the, the sheep in my flock and I didn't know how to defend them. And I saw them getting picked off and I was powerless. And so I, I realized I needed to learn how to show how these PhD philosophers and physicists were wrong, but I'm the dumb kid. Right. And so I remember one night praying, I'm like, God, I, I feel like I'm supposed to do this, but I can't argue with physicists and philosophers. And I, I felt like God told me that I I did need to defend my sheep and that by doing so I had to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. You know, I actually went to that scripture as I was praying. But, and I said, God, 
you've got the wrong guy for this though, because I'm the dumb kid. And I remember, you know, I say I heard from God. I don't say I hear from God a lot, maybe a handful of times. And it's not like I hear it with my eardrums, but I've heard it here. If that may, I mean, a lot of Christians know what I'm saying. I don't know if you've ever heard from God in that way, but it's mm-hmm. something like, okay, I felt like I heard God say, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, I will transform you by the renewing of your mind, but you've got to put in the hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, which by the way, at that time I was still a determinist. I was a divine determinist, but I didn't think I had free will, but, and I didn't realize that that meant that I had to freely <laughs> choose to put in the hard work. And so I started doing that. And I would say in six weeks, it's just like if you go to the gym, six weeks later, if you're going to the gym uh, three to five times a week, you'll see a difference. You'll feel a difference for sure um, and probably be able to see a little difference. In six months, you'll be radically transformed. And in six years, you'll, you won't even look like the same person. Well, the same thing happened with my mind. In six weeks, I was like, oh, I can start to have some because I was I was studying this stuff for hours every day during that time. And in six weeks, I could start to have conversations with the average person on the college campus or at the coffee shop. In six months, I was beginning to start my master's degree in this field at Biola University. And now, you know, that started in 2008. It's now 2024. And I'm a professor at Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary touching, uh, teaching on this stuff. I'm contributing to the academic literature. I'm debating uh, well-known atheists on these topics. Um, we, God does transform us by the renewing of our minds, but we have to do the work. And when it comes to even our sexual uh, desires and attractions and things like that, um, we can do the same thing. It's really hard. I know so many people that aren't struggling with the LGBTQ stuff, but who have struggled with pornography. And I give the same advice to them. Start with a one victory. You know, say no one time. Try to, you know, say no a second time. Mm-hmm. Every time you say no, it gets easier and easier and easier. And guess what? I, I don't hardly know anybody that's just been able to quit Uh, just like that and never touch it again. But you see people start making victories and victories and victories, and then they slip up. And I say, get back on the horse. You get bucked off the horse, you get back on. You go after another victory, go after, and pretty soon you've got this impressive record, right? And maybe at first you're losing more than you're winning, but pretty soon you start to get even, and then you start having more victories than losses. And pretty soon you've just been transformed. So it takes time. It's not a zap, but you have to be at least not for most people, but you got to be committed uh, to to the marathon. It's not a sprint. I've been talking a lot. It's your show. Why don't you say something? Oh, oh <laughs> well, we're, we have you on because you are the expert. We People get to hear from me every week. And uh, so they're tired of hearing my voice. Uh, but, you know, one of the verses I go to a lot is in Philippians. It says, you know, God is the, the power working in us, but we're to work out our own salvation. Mm-hmm. And so, so many people think that that's a contradiction, but it's so it so much fits what you're saying is that it's God who transforms our minds, but we have to be obedient to uh, make the right choices and to yeah. fight for that. Mm-hmm. And I think we get caught in 
um, a trap that goes one of two ways is on the extremes of uh, we think that we buy into determinism, which means I have no power. I just have to sit here and wait for God to zap me and do something. And it's really hopeless Mm -hmm. uh, because I I can't take any steps towards that. And what if God doesn't determine for me to be different or to have control over this? And then the other route we go on is, well, I try really hard and then I fail. Well, it was just me trying to do this in my own power. And so I guess I can't do this. And that's the that's the route I really did went down as a high schooler so many times before I gave up was I have to white knuckle it. I have to uh, do it under my own power. So then God can love me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I've, I've, I've tried, I've failed. I've gone through that route so many times. So I guess I can't change. So I guess God can't love me. But it's like, no, like God loves us, gives us the power to live differently. And we work out our own salvation by being obedient and making the right choices Mm -hmm. and and putting in the effort uh, to see that play out in our lives. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, You can't do it apart from God. But like you said, God supernaturally gives you the power so that you can do it. So that when you don't do it, it's not God's fault. It's because you failed to use your power responsibly. Um, so God, God gives us the ability, you know, this is one of the thing I, things I talk, um, quite a bit about is that God gives us the supernatural power to know truth about ultimate reality. Um, so that when we are careful and when we handle our God given cognitive powers responsibly, then, then it's possible we can know the truth about metaphysical reality, you know, big fancy words, <laughs> or just theology, theological truths. What we like to say this ultimate reality, stuff that's beyond what science can even tell us. And, you know, scripture talks about over and over again, how we have, uh, we're called to have self-discipline and self-control. Well, that is another way of saying, use your libertarian free will. You've got self-control, self-power, use it wisely. Uh Use it. Don't just ignore it. Um, don't let other things control you. You have self-control. So if, if other things are always in control of you, then you are determined either by the laws and events of nature or by God himself. You're a, you're a puppet of these other things. But if you have self-control, then you're not a puppet. You are, uh, you're behind the ship. You're behind the, you know, if you're, if you're, you're piloting yourself, Right. Something else isn't piloting you. You are piloting yourself. The manner in which you think, the manner in which you reason, how you bracket your biases and your emotions. You take your thoughts captive. Are you doing that or is something or someone else? If something else is, then you're determined and you're a puppet. But if you're more than a puppet, if you're not, if you don't think you're always mind controlled by something or someone else, then that means you have this strong, robust free will that I call libertarian freedom and you can steer the ship of your life. God, by his grace, gives you that power. So you're not a passive cog. You're not dust in the wind. You're not a slave to your DNA and your environment. You have self-control. So control yourself. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I was 
uh, the other day I seen an interview with um, Derek Webb. I don't know if you've heard that name. Yeah. He is a he was a worship leader who is now like a, a cross dresser, drag queen, like doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And he said it in an interview that it's like, well, you know, I could be completely wrong, and I just I just might not be part of the elect, and I have I have no choice over that, and so you know I might be condemned to hell. And it's it's so tragic that he has no hope because he is sitting there waiting for God to do something when God is already giving him everything that he needs to make some different choices, uh, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, um, if he would surrender to that. And so on both sides, it's like, no, we don't earn anything. We don't earn our salvation, uh, but we're not. God doesn't determine every little choice we make. He wants us to walk along beside him. He wants mm -hmm. us to wake up in the morning and choose to be obedient to him because he has given us everything we need for that and to rely on him in the process. So we're not working on our own power to earn our salvation, to earn anything from him. Uh, yet uh, we have hope and that should, uh, that should give us a, a remarkable amount of hope. Uh, and I, I see so many deconstructioners who deconstruct because they they can't sort that out in their mind. And and they've been taught wrongly that that God determines everything. It's like, well, then God is an evil God. But yeah. we believe that God is a good God. And uh and and he allows us to make different choices and renew our mind and gives us the power to do so. And that should that should also give us um, an encouragement to walk alongside others and encourage others that you have what it takes. Like you as a believer, you have what it takes. God provides you with what you need uh, and you can have a renewing of your mind. And we walk alongside other believers as they do that. I, I think that uh, many times we mistakenly put our own timeline on other people's sanctification. Yeah. And so it's like, well, just pray enough and God will take that away or just, you know, pray enough. And, uh, you know, in six months you should be healed because it's like, well, I was over that issue in six months. So you should be too. And, uh, and I think that sometimes it's the easy way out for Christians because they don't want to enter the messiness of walking alongside, you know, uh, messy sinners, because we're all messy sinners, but we have to be willing to walk alongside people in that process, encourage them and uh, uh, help them see the right choices, help them use discernment on what are the right choices? What does this process look like? What's the next step for me? And they and, you know, the, the Lord helps them take those steps. I have pastors and church leaders regularly reach out to me about speaking at their churches and events. If that's something you would be interested in, feel free to go to calibrateministries.com and fill out the contact form. And I'd love to talk to you about what that would look like. Yeah, man, so much of what you said there just uh, hit me. I mean, I think of Derek Webb and, you know, just that ideas have consequences. The way we think uh, has such an impact on our lives. And again, let me bring the, the, these scriptures up. Uh, Paul says that we can take our thoughts captive in 2 Corinthians 10.5. He also warns us in Colossians 2.8 that we can be taken captive by bad philosophy. That means by bad thinking. Um, so 
bad thoughts can take us captive or you can take bad thinking captive to obey Christ. And here we see that Derek Webb started when he was still, uh, I guess, in the church, but he had the bad idea of that God determines everything um, and that he's a puppet. Uh, and um, and that this Calvinistic, not all Calvinists uh, think this way, but a lot of the academic Calvinists do. Um, and it's apparently he did. This is common in Calvinism, but I don't want to, you know, throw all Calvinists in that yes. thinking ship. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it's quite common in that circle. And this is why I point people to Molinism. It's very similar to Calvinism, but without all the bad stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you still get predestination and sovereignty over everything without mm-hmm. this horrible deterministic view. Um, but uh, but Derek Webb had this bad idea that God determines things and, um, and determines his, uh, if he's going to heaven or hell or not, determines how he acts and determines how he thinks, determines his attractions. And so then he starts, so that was one bad idea. And that led to another bad idea then that, you know, as soon as he started feeling, having these thoughts of, uh, you know, the LGBTQ, uh, temptations or whatever, he, didn't fight them because he didn't have active control to fight it. He was just like, Oh, look what God's doing to me. And now pretty soon he's part of that community and just saying, Hey, well, if Christianity is true, then I'm one of the guys that's not elect. And God, this is how God determined me. No, Derek, that's not how it works. You've got, you started with bad theology and it's, and it's destroying your life and it, and it could destroy your eternity here, <laughs> but, but you have the power even right now to take that thought captive and say, no, uh, maybe I should rethink this. Here's a PhD theologian, Tim Stratton, who's telling me that I've got my theology wrong. Now he can, he's got a choice right here. He can just blow me off and say, yeah, whatever that, that, you know, Dr. Stratton doesn't know what he's talking about. Or he can say, mm-hmm. you know what? He's put in a lot of hard work. Maybe I should at least consider what he's saying. Now, that right there, he doesn't have the power right now, I say, to just change his desires. But this is something, a big fancy term called indirect doxastic voluntarism. Don't worry, I'm, viewers, you're not going to be graded on this. But this is the, the idea that although I can't change all of my, you know, my, my beliefs or even my desires right now on the spot, I can freely choose to take little steps along the way that over the course of time will change my beliefs and my desires. And one of those is, Hey, I am not, you know, here's the choice between two options. I will not listen to what Dr. Stratton says at all. He doesn't know what he's talking about, or maybe I should at least take a listen. Okay. Now you've got a choice right there, a a free choice. You go one way or the other. And if you say, there's no way I'm going to listen to what he just said. Well, okay. Now you're responsible. You know, if I, if I turn out to be right now, you're to blame. Um, because you had an opportunity to listen to what I was saying and you chose not to. Now, if you choose to read my book and you choose to read some of the things I've written on my website or, or, you know, the videos I've made on my YouTube channel, you start going down the path a little bit and you start making more choices and more choices. Well, you have the opportunity then to eventually be transformed by the renewing of your mind and to be a transformed person. Derek Webb has the opportunity then to ultimately start walking with Christ again. Like you did, Brady. He's got the choice to make little choice. Little. He, he's got the power to make little choices along the way. And I've seen this change in you. 
Brady, since, since we first met. And I've seen the struggle that you've gone through. But it seems to me right now you're at a place in life where, although it still might be some kind of a struggle, I don't know, seems like you're winning more battles than losing. Mm. What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so it is a slow process and mm -hmm. I still have days of struggle, but um, uh, God continues to you know, untwist what my heart had twisted. And it's us, it's his grace and, him, and then us putting in the work for that and us allowing God to reveal the lies that uh, we had believed. And I talk a lot about Romans 1, uh, you know, they were led to homosexuality when they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship mm -hmm. creation. And so we have to allow God to reveal what are the lies that I believed that led me to this place. And the lifelong journey of ongoing sanctification is about what lies did I believe yeah. and exchanging those for his truth. And, I, uh, and we don't so have a, that, Oh, sorry. Oh, go, go right ahead. I, I was just going to say that. I love the fact that, or I love that you brought up that Bible verse. You know, I know Christians who say that God determines everything. And so I said, well, do you have perfect theology? And they'll say, no, nobody does. I'm like, yeah, that's right. So you have at least one false theological belief. And they usually say, yeah, I mean, probably much more. Right. <laughs> so if God determines everything, then God determines you, a Christian, to have a whole bunch of false theological beliefs. Oh, well, no, well, he's got good reasons. for. I'm not saying that he doesn't have good reasons. I'm saying that who you claim to worship that your on your view determines you to believe false things. Is that right? False things about God, false things about reality. And and this starts to show an absurdity here. And like, no, that can't be uh what God is like. God can't determine all things if I am believing false things about God. Um, I mean, let's just say, let's just start with the end times theology, you know, some of this not really related to this one. I mean, there's so many different views of end times. That, that means so many Christians have got it wrong, you know, because there can only be one right view. Um, or, or even even how God created the universe, that's under debate. You know, these all these different views under Christianity, what should we do with baptism? You know, all this kind of stuff is under debate. Well, that it means that all these Christians, if God determines everything, then that means that God has determined every Christian to get stuff wrong, important stuff. Well, then how do you know, how can you trust anything, even that the Bible says, if that's the case, because if God's a deity of deception, even for even if it's for good reasons, which I think is absurd, but if God's a deity of deception, why should you trust a book that he, that he wrote, basically, you know, so or inspired? So I say, look, we, we got to ditch this deterministic view. Um, you have to incorporate free will in order for this to make sense, really to make sense of, of reality, of so much of reality. But in scripture, in Romans 1, Paul is clear that the reason why these folks have false beliefs is because they did what? They rejected the truth. They had it and they exchanged mm -hmm. it. And it says they uh, exchanged the truth about God for a yeah, lie. Right. So God did force that on them. And there are times when God works out his sovereignty. You know, you can always go to Pharaoh like, well, he hardened, God hardened his heart. He hardened his own heart. There's a lot to work out there. Um, but it, it's clear and, that and God accomplishes his purposes. Yes, absolutely. That's a great yeah. book to work that out. Uh, yeah. But they ultimately chose to reject the truth about God and and worship creation instead of the creator. Um, yeah. Before we run out of time, I want to take a step back and uh, 
we've talked a lot about engaging with believers and what believers should believe about God. Can you talk to us some about engaging with completely non-believers, atheists? You do so much work. You debate atheists. You debate, you know, some of the most popular atheists out there. You engage with atheists. You do evangelism to Mormons, uh, to all kinds of people. Uh, can you give us some encouragement on how we can uh, be equipped, um, have confidence, or just some logical uh, truth to use to engage with non-believers? Yeah, well, the first thing that you know Christians need to know is, is the gospel. Um, and I love uh, what an organization called Dare to Share um, has advanced. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I've written a lot about this on my website and discussed this on my YouTube channel as well. But I said there's six essential ingredients to the gospel. And so they use the gospel acronym, the G-O-S-P-E-L. Excuse me. And so the G of gospel would be God created us to be with him. So God, a maximally great being, perfect in love, created you for on purpose and for the specific purpose to be in a true love relationship with him. That's the first part of the gospel. O is our sins uh, separate us from perfect love. So, so sin uh, and, and separate us from the objective purpose in which we were created. So the so the O is our sins, not the sins that God made us do, but our sins that we did, that we chose to do, that we weren't determined to do, but that we chose to do. Well, that separates us from a perfect God. It's like oil and water. These uh, perfection and infection don't mix. If God is necessarily perfect and we are infected mm -hmm. with sin, then we were created to mix, but we're like oil and water now, so that we don't mix. Now, the S of gospel is sins cannot be overcome by good deeds. Uh, Isaiah makes this clear that that our good deeds are as dirty rags, right? We're you know we're we're dirty. We're but this our good deeds doesn't clean us up. There, there's nothing that we can do to make us mix with God like we were created to do, created to do. We're, we're powerless, so we continue to be like oil and water with God. No matter how many good things you try to do, you just keep mix, uh, not mixing with perfection. Well, so we need a miracle. So that, that's the P of gospel, paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. It's like if you, if you read the Chronicles of Narnia and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Aslan is the Christ figure, and, and they talk about this deeper magic you know, that, that Aslan was aware of, that his sacrifice would allow what was form, formerly not mixing to mix again like we were created to do. So that's P, paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. E, everyone who does not reject God's love and grace as eternal life. Everyone who does not reject the work of Christ, everyone who does not reject the Holy Spirit, everyone who does not reject God's work in their life will be transformed by God. So you have a choice. I love make. that because it, uh, it gives everyone hope. It, mm -hmm. it doesn't, uh, imply that um, there's limited salvation, limited atonement. It's like everyone who rejects, um, who you know rejects God's grace uh, will will suffer, but you you have that choice. That's exactly right, and that and that leads us to the L of gospel. Uh, life eternal uh, starts now and lasts forever. You know, as, as Buzz Lightyear would say, like to infinity and beyond. Um, mm, so that's you awesome. have a choice to make, though. And and you brought up this limited at atonement. That's the the L of tulip that uh, mm -hmm. Calvinists like to offer, and I. And in the study guide that I mentioned earlier, I offer 
and it's not a political move. It's uh, <laughs> it's like when you're playing poker, I call it the trump card. So instead of two, oh, no, I, yeah, oh, no, you not just use that word, didn't you? Yeah, no, <laughs> you're playing poker. It's not politics. So don't get triggered. <laughs> OK, but but uh, um, Trump, it's total depravity. Right. I, I agree with that. Um, the R is resistible, amazing grace, as opposed to the irresistible grace. I say, no, it's quite resistible and people do it all the time, but it's amazing grace. Don't re don't resist it. Stop it. You know, so mm -hmm. that's resistible, amazing grace. Um, the U is unlimited and unconditional love. God loves you perfectly, no matter what you've been through, no matter what sins you've committed. God loves you unconditionally and wants the best for you. He does not want you to resist his love and grace. And the only reason you would be separated from him for eternity is if you continue to resist his love and grace. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what sins you're currently swimming in. S stop resisting his grace because God loves you unconditionally and wants to be with you forever. He loves you that much. M is middle knowledge of the elect. God's That just mm. means God God's omniscient and he knows who will freely choose to reject him, but that doesn't mean you have to. That doesn't mean you must just because God knows what you're going to do. So if you want to find out uh, what you're going to do, well, that's up to you. So make that choice. And then P is perseverance of free saints. Um, that, that once you are transformed uh, by God, if you don't resist him, he will transform you. Invite him to transform you. Invite him to do that and stop resisting him. And once you are transformed, you will persevere into infinity and beyond. So that's Trump versus Tulip. I, I say go with the Trump card. Um, so I don't know. Did, did I answer? Your, you asked a specific absolutely. Question. I don't know if that answered it. Yep, absolutely. That's awesome. So I, I love that gospel acronym. Uh, I'm actually speaking at a Dare to Share conference in April, so I should probably get that down. So yeah, oh. Uh, Definitely do that. And I can give you some uh, some of the stuff I've been working on that's related to that. But you you had asked how to interact with atheists. And the first yes. thing you got to do is know the gospel. Second thing you got to do is I say at least know one argument for the existence of God and also know mm -hmm. uh, the historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. You don't have to be an expert in it, but know some basic points. Um, and uh, and you can find this stuff on my website um, in my book, in the last chapter, uh, other guy, you know, William Lane Craig is, is great offering this stuff on his website, Reasonable Faith. I, so no, at least, I mean, there's, there's dozens of arguments for God's existence and there's multiple great arguments for the historical resurrection. I mean, the, the, using the same historical method that we can use to show things Absolutely. about George Washington, um, and Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar. We can use that exact same method to show that Jesus was a real person who was crucified on a Roman cross, died, and then was alive again. And so if you've got the existence of God and a, a resurrected Jesus, you've got what C.S. Lewis called mere Christianity. So know the gospel, know an argument for God's existence, at least one. I know I, I use several, but know at least one, and then know the historical evidence for Jesus and and then speak the truth in love don't be condemning don't be in don't be negative um and but that doesn't mean don't point out sin you can say hey you know the way Absolutely. you're living right now god created you on purpose and for the specific purpose to live a different way and jesus made that clear you know a lot of times people say well jesus never said anything about that like well actually he did 
uh, in Mark 10, 6 through 8, and Matthew 19, uh, you can sum up Jesus' teachings there by saying that God created us uh, for the purpose of being one man and one woman, or one man with one woman becoming one flesh for one lifetime. That's the model of marriage God had in mind when he created. And so anything other than one man with one woman becoming one flesh for one lifetime violates God's created order and intent, his objective purpose for humanity. And you don't want to go against God's objective purpose or his intent. That is, by definition, sin. That's missing the mark. But, hey, I still live in, I still have sins I'm struggling with, and I invite those same people to call me out and to loving me, mm-hmm. <laughs> loving me, lovingly show me when I'm falling into sin. You know, I, sometimes when people Absolutely. argue with me, I can get defensive and I'm like, oh, right, I'll punch you back. And sometimes I, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, no, I, I shouldn't do that. I should be loving. In fact, I was being interviewed on a, another YouTube channel yesterday mm-hmm. and doing a Q&A session and, and a guy kind of got on my nerves and I kind of, <laughs> uh, I realized I was being maybe a little bit too harsh in my response. And I stopped and I said, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have responded that way. Well, look, we, I still struggle different different sins. We all do. So let's join the club and help each other. But let's not approve of our sins and say, oh, that's okay. That person deserves it. Or that's okay. That's just the way you're wired. No, we we need to look at how we're wired and say, okay, sometimes these wirings go against God's creative intent and design plan. And I need you to help me live the way I was created, you know, in the manner in which I was created to live. We need each other. So speak the truth and love. Know the gospel, know a little bit of apologetics, and speak the truth and love, and lives will be changed. This world will be changed. That's my awesome. Advice. Yeah. And I don't think anyone does that better than you, Tim. You've been such an encouragement on how to speak the truth with love. And I always say that truth and love or truth and grace are not a uh, continuum of it's one or the other, or you try yeah. to mix the two. We, we should show 100% truth and 100% grace. That's right. Because uh, that's the truth. And you've been such a great example of how to do that and how you interact with people in deep, intellectual, hard conversations, but you do it with grace and love and compassion, caring about the person. Hmm. So I think that's a great way to end it today. Uh, we we have to make sure we know the gospel. We know an argument for God, you know, the existence of God. We uh, make sure we know the, you know, uh, an argument for the resurrection of Jesus. And we are, you know, equipped to have those hard conversations. And we do it with love and grace and kindness because that's the love and grace and kindness that God showed us and that softens people's hearts. Mm-hmm. So, well, thank you so much for joining us, Tim. Make sure you check out it's freethinkingministries.com. There's great resources there. Uh, grab Tim's book on Amazon. Uh, and I know that you will be blessed for it. I have it on my bookshelf right back here. I think so. I see it. Oh, uh, <laughs> possibly. Yes. Yep, yep. So. Awesome. So, all mm-hmm. right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Calibrate Conversations. Make sure you check our website, calibrateconversations.com uh, for more resources. Uh, find out how you can support the ministry. There's some great podcast episodes, so check it out. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to our channel, and we will see you next week. 